Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hey there, it's Dan Kenner with another episode of The Casual Author. Today is Tuesday, June 6, 2023, as I record this. And this is episode number 79 of the podcast. Today we're talking to Janine Hamner about burnout, how to avoid it, and how to deal with it when it happens, both in the workforce as well as as an author. So I think you're going to want to stick around for that conversation. We talk a lot about how to account for it, kind of what tools you can have or implement to um, overcome it if you do reach that burnout point. It's a very realistic conversation that I think a lot of us are unwilling to accept, even though we know that we get there sometimes. So definitely stick around for that part of the conversation. Now, before we get into all that fun stuff, let's talk about updates this week. Um, updates on the homestead. I, I love how I just switch it up each week. This is part of my pantsing brain. I don't really think about what comes first in terms of updates. But in terms of the homestead, a couple of things have happened the, this last week. We got our shipment of meat chickens. So we went back and forth about whether or not we wanted to try to breed our own, you know, breed our chickens, hatch our own eggs for meat, or if we wanted to purchase them in. There's some advantages to both, of course. Purchasing them in is you know you're getting a really good breed of bird. They're very big, they grow quick, and they're, you know, they're known for their genetics in terms of meat. Um, but the disadvantages is you're you're bringing birds in right there during the period of the bird sickness i think it was a bird flu or the uh, it's just a lot of sicknesses in the birds throughout the the country there was a lot of concern about bringing um, external birds into your flock introducing potential diseases so we were a little bit worried about which is why we wanted to close our system we got a dual breed a hybrid breed of um kind of medium to high egg layers but also a bigger chicken generally really high egg layers have really skinny body condition and they're just really tough um so we wanted to try that but it's not going as well as we planned our hatch rate was really low uh, we didn't get as many chicks as we hoped from our hatching of them. I think we only got maybe nine or ten. Um, and we have a pretty big family, so we go through more than that many chickens per year. So we ordered them in. I think we got something like 30. So the chicks came in the mail last week, and they're all set up in their little brooder. They're happy as can be. It's funny to see little fluffy white chicks. I'll send it out a picture in my email list. It's just funny. They're, they're, they're great. Um, but the thing about them is... When you get them in the mail, it's a little bit tricky because you never know if they're going to make it. Most of them did make it. We did lose a couple of them. Not a big deal. We worked with the company. It was all settled. Um, but they're here. And now I'm starting to swim in lives of living things. <laughs> so every year we get meat chickens and new egg layers. We just have like upwards of 100 animals to take care of. And most of the time I don't think about it. Because it's just like, you know, it's part of life, right? But then when someone asks me, you know, they talk about my job and how I'm, you know, feeding lots of mouths. 
And I say I'm literally feeding nearly 100 mouths. Of course, it's not that many right now. It's probably near 50 or 60, but still, it's crazy to think about. The baby goats are growing up. They're not to a place where we can sell them quite yet. But we have transitioned the bottle feeders, the two girls that were bottle feeding, to only three bottles a day. Now, that's fine. It's not a big deal. They get about the same amount of milk. But it's great to reduce the feeds to three. We we squished out what the fourth feed and added extra to the bottles for the other three. Um, and they're taking it really well. So they're at the point where the, all the babies are drinking water to some degree and they are eating hay. So they're not as reliant on the milk, which is good because, man, those babies are only bottle feeding two and they're taking a lot of our milk. So we're looking forward to um, not bottle feeding them <laughs> if we won't be able to wean them for still a few weeks. But we may be able to sell one of the babies a little bit early because you can feed them cow's milk. Um, so, you know, if we want to sell it to somebody, they can just buy gallons of cow's milk and feed it to the baby goat and they'd be fine. So that's where we are with the baby goats. They're they're doing well. They're thriving. They are more friendly this year than they were last year, which I'm very grateful for. I think that is is partially because we didn't have bottle babies as long as we did this year last year we sold them after about two weeks they were still very young but it didn't matter you know the people that bought them were happy to bottle feed them they had a source of milk that they could get to so and they were both boys so we sold them really early now because we've had them for longer we go in and bottle feed them and the moment we crouch down to feed the bottles to the other babies all the other babies just come running and it's just hilarious. They clamor at the gate. They don't want milk. They just want attention. So we'll pet them and we'll pick them up and they're just way more friendly. So grateful for that. I think that's another advantage that we didn't expect for bottle feeding these two babies. So there you go. You live, you learn. But otherwise the homestead is going well. We are almost done planting the garden. We have a wild amount of garden space. And every year we tell ourselves, let's not overdo it. Let's not plant too much because the upkeep is just wild. I don't know if we can keep up on it. And then we make it bigger each year. I don't know why we do that as humans. It's just like, but it's there. And my wife isn't pregnant this year, though, so she is feeling more up to keeping up on the garden. And I've been able to manage my work schedule so that I can get outside a little bit each day and work on the yard and weed and stuff like that. And we're putting down weed fabric. Anyway, it's going a lot better this year than it was last year. So that's great. Anyway, that's that's all the updates on the homestead front. Everything is stable, happy as can be, no complaints as of this week. In terms of author news, I did finish Dragon Blooded last week, which is so exciting. I can't remember if I mentioned it in the podcast episode last week or not. It's one of those things where I should take better notes, but I just know I won't. That's just who I am. Regardless, it's done. I'm sitting on it. I'm <laughs> not touching it for a while. But right now I'm kind of dabbling in the audio recording of Awakened. So I have... I my my books are published to Google Play, which does provide me access to the AI generated voices for the narration. So I went and dabbled with that for a little bit. I do have Awakened is technically live on Google Play in audiobook format with the AI generation. It's not perfect. There's still some kind of weird things. I was trying to listen through it to kind of pick up where there's no pauses, add the pauses. It doesn't really handle the accents that I've written into my books very well. So I'm struggling with that. I'm just deciding if it's worth editing those out because it will take some time. And I know that there's a lot of people who don't love AI generated books. Now, the AI generated voices are actually really good. I would probably listen to a book generated with this AI voice or these AI voices. I actually picked three separate ones because there's three different POVs in the Light Bear Chronicles. But I'm still kind of deciding, is it worth it? I've also recorded the prologue uh, myself of Awakened. 
And I'm trying to convince myself that it sounds okay. Um, because realistically, just realistically, as a casual author, with the amount of sales and revenue that I have, I don't anticipate that I'm going to be able to have the funds to pay for an audiobook generation. I would love to. I love audiobook narrators, and I would love to pay for that. It's just realistically, it's probably not going to happen. So I'm trying, I'm considering recording it myself. The prologue was fine. I'm not convinced that my Janice voice is is um, something that people are going to want to listen to. I don't want it to be annoying. The last thing I want is one of my characters to sound annoying. But we're trying it. I'm editing the prologue now. Perhaps once I have a sample of it, I'll let you know. Or maybe I'll play a sample of it in the podcast. And you can decide, say yay or nay, vote for it or whatnot. Maybe I'll send it out to my listeners. I can't decide. Regardless, um, I may record that. We're, we're just kind of seeing that. I'm taking advantage of this no right period to do something else. Um, I doubt I'd be able to finish the whole audiobook in the period, though, because it's that's quite an undertaking. Still, um, I'm getting back into picking up the Cyber City book. We left off at about roughly a third of the second book. Uh, my co-author and I kind of hit a strange wall. We're trying to figure out what it was. I feel like I could write forward with where we are. My co-author... Um, not so much. <laughs> she she's like, I'm not sure where to go from here. So we're we're trying to figure out, hey, what's the best way to coordinate this? Neither of us are plotters, but we may find ourselves forced to plot to some degree. Not like huge plot, you know, minor details. But I don't even do that. I just write as I go. So it'll be interesting. I'll have to grit my teeth a little bit as we decide where we want to go with this book. But it's fine. You know, as part of co-authoring, we're figuring it out, and we're we're just having a good time. So there's that. I've also been trying to get back into Amazon ads. I don't have a ton of experience with Amazon ads, but I have gone back to, I invested in the Amazon, or excuse me, the ads for authors courses by Mark Dawson. It has been worth the money so far. It was a little bit expensive at the time that I invested in it, but um, I have it and I've been getting back into it. I was pleased that I logged into my ads console and at least found that I am making more money than I spent each month. So that's something. Is it a lot more? Not really, but it's there. Uh, once I have a little bit more experience with it, maybe I can do some learning, share it and whatnot. But for now, that's what it is. They're just kind of sitting there with the keywords that I put in. Some of them are pretty good matches, but I'm not, I'm guessing that some of them aren't as great of matches as I thought they would be. So I need to update some of those keywords, play around with that. On that front, authoring seems to be going well. It is stable. I do need to plan things out. <laughs> I plan things out. That's a loose term. Uh, plan things out to some degree so I know published dates and kind of like edit timelines for things. If you are interested in beta reading Dragon Blood, just send me an email at authordkenner at gmail. This is a YA fantasy. It's kind of like a portal fantasy. And it is, I would, I like to say it's very similar-ish to like a Percy Jackson. I know it's not YA, but Percy Jackson-esque plus um, Pitticus Lore, kind of like the I Am number four series. It's kind of a combination of those things. So if you're interested in that, let me know. I'll happily send you a beta version of that. I'm thinking maybe end of June, kind of middle of July, depending on how fast I can get through myself and it's. So once again, just email me at author D. Kenner. Um, and I'll or submit the form at dankenner.com. I'm happy to chat with you there. So I think that's everything for updates. We can go ahead and shift over to the interview portion with Ginny. Hey, Janine, how are you today? Hey, Dan, I am very well. Thank you. That's, that is a very enthusiastic answer, and I love it. <laughs> it means you are truly having a good day. Not that I, that I don't believe people when they tell me but you had a very real enthusiastic answer which i like 
So that is great. I'm excited to talk to you today about a very real topic <laughs> that a lot of us experience, particularly as um, adults who have a lot of responsibilities to take care of. Before we get into that, though, uh, let's talk a little bit about all the facets of your business, of your authoring, of your podcast. You've got a lot going on. So maybe let's start <laughs> with the authoring. How long have you been writing and publishing books? I So I've been writing forever. I was a political science and English double major in school, and I love writing. And I've always done some sort of writing through work but in terms of writing books, um, my first, uh, so I, I co-authored um, a book with Leslie Michaels, uh, which came out last summer, so summer of 2022, and then I got to contribute to a book put out, a compilation of essays by organizational leaders uh, that came out in November. And then my first solo book came out in March. So it's sort of, it's it's been a lot of stuff in a very short period of time, which was not really my intent, but sometimes that's just kind of how life works out. Well, ironically, I've heard that a lot with books as well, particularly with people who, you know, maybe they've been writing, but they've never really thought about actually getting to the publishing phase. A lot uh -huh. of the times they're like, it just kind of happened. And I don't know how <laughs> But I just kept publishing things. And now I'm like, all right, what's next? Yeah. So it's it's not uncommon, but that's really cool to hear. So, and then in terms of the business slash podcast side of things, let's talk about what's that. What is that all about? So... I started my own business about six and a half years ago, and I did it really because I realized that I was on a mission to have the world of work be one in which everyone could thrive, no matter who you are, what you do, what you're about. And so obviously I'm not going to get there all by my little self, and I'm not going to get there probably in this lifetime. And to get as close as I can, I need to take advantage of all the things. So I'm always looking for people to partner up with, to have a bigger reach. I do keynote speaking. I have a podcast called The Cost of Not Paying Attention. And then my business is what's called an organizational development consulting organization. And so what we do is we go into organizations when there are things that are happening between the humans that's somehow getting in the way of the organization being its best self. And that's what I do. Yeah, I mean, that's so a the, them we, tweak. There's a lot of complexity to that, which will probably maybe may kind of come up as we talk. But I think that's amazing. There's so many people, particularly listeners who are striving to have a business in this case, particularly through authoring, you know, have an authoring business, have that ecosystem where you can maintain your livelihood and not have to work for the man, so to speak. I don't say that <laughs> negatively. I, I work for the man. So that's not that's not a, a knock on working for companies. I do like my Absolutely job. Absolutely not. Yep. But it's good. It's encouraging to hear, you know, you started this and it's, and it's thriving and it's doing very well. Um, yeah. But I want to take a little bit of a shift to that burnout topic because, uh, you know, that is a realistic thing that a lot of people, whether or not they realize it, have to confront it sometime in their life. 
And so for you, what what is burnout? Let's just talk a little bit about what it is. What does it look like with a person? I know it's probably different per person, but like generally, what does it yeah. look like? Yeah, and, and it is different per person. And it largely has to do with feeling exhausted, feeling unconnected from the work that you are doing. It is something that can really be challenging like if if you're in the medical industry or you're in the service industry and part of what your job entails is connecting with other people and having empathy for other people and caring about what's going on with other people one of the things that can happen when we're experiencing burnout is we just notice like we're sort of feeling like eh, so sorry for you that that's going on over mm-hmm. there. Like we we feel disconnected from the from the work, from the issues, from the opportunities, from the challenges, and and really it's being driven by uh, an innate feeling of exhaustion. And I don't have anything more in my tank to give. I I don't know I don't know how to fill up my tanks. I can't find any uh, resilience inside of me. I just could not care less. And, And so when we find ourselves in that place, that's when then we have an opportunity to to intervene, uh, to to get some help and support. And part of the reason that we're talking about this is that this is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. We're we're here in May as we are recording this, uh, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And so as we are here in Mental Health Awareness Month, one of the things that I am really enjoying talking about is normalizing when when we are struggling emotionally, mentally, you know, if if I fall down and I break my elbow, I might feel like a klutz, but I'm not going to have any feeling of shame in the fact that I now have a cast or a sling or, you know, whatever it is dealing with the fact that I fell down. When we have things that are happening with us emotionally, which can sometimes be chemically based, we in our society, we have created a stigma around that, like that there's something wrong with me. If if I fell down and I broke my feelings, if if I'm having a hard time. And one of the things that is is sort of an ongoing effect of COVID is that the rates of people dealing with like burnout and depression and anxiety have really skyrocketed Mm. in, in part because in the, in the beginning we were so lonely and we didn't have, we didn't have resilience sort of built in, in order to, to go through the the really big changes that many of us went through. And there's all kinds of shifts that are happening in the world of work that that are challenging for people. And us human beings, we we like it really well when things are 72 degrees. Like we we like (laughs) being in our comfort zone. 
And we, we inherently, we don't really want to change. And there's a lot of circumstances that are happening right now that are, that are forcing change and it's uncomfortable. And, and so that's the other sort of added dimension that's going on here for many people is that, you know, we may be dealing with stress, we may be dealing with burnout, we may be dealing with depression or anxiety or sleeplessness or, you know, anything sort of in this domain. And then we don't feel like we can talk about it because there's this, there's this shame, there's this something's wrong with me attached to that. And so then we don't get help, we don't get support, and and it just becomes this, this spiral. And so, you know, talking about it and bringing it out of the shadows and having it be something that's that's more normal, I think is incredibly important. And so, Dan, I really, I appreciate that, um, that you wanted to have this be part of what we talk about today. Thank you. Well, and I think I I agree with everything you said and having been through it in parts, I mean, you know, I can't necessarily pinpoint specific parts of my life where I've been at that point or whatever. It just kind of depends. Things, things happen. And, you know, I've got six kids, job, ghost chickens, religious (laughs) responsibilities. You know, there's a lot going on, right? So there's lots of highs, there's lots of lows, and it is what it is. But I think the interesting thing that people aren't realizing is one of the bigger reasons, I mean, there's a a lot of really good reasons why treating this seriously is important. One, from the obviously life-threatening perspective, you know, it's very sad. There's a lot of really serious things that a person could do to themselves or others, and you just need to be aware of that. But even, you know, even without going to that extreme, that situation, which is realistic, there is the productivity piece of it, which, you know, a lot of people... I don't think realize can can eat at you without you even realizing it. Like, um, I think there's a lot of people out there who aren't tracking their productivity. You know, they're just feeling generally down, whatever, yada, yada. But maybe they don't realize they're just being unproductive. You know, days yeah. go by, particularly authors, where there's like, I just haven't felt like writing for the past two weeks. And it's like, okay, well, don't you, there's something wrong here, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, right. If this is really how we're seeking to be making our living, and something's you know, wrong in, right? in most jobs. If you don't show up for two weeks, right. they might sort of wonder what's going on. <laughs> I think they even make it to two weeks. Yeah. Right? And so, and so that's why it's one of those things where, so there's, there's kind of like the prevention, which you can't always 100%, 100% prevent, but then there's also yeah. the kind of like mitigating slash healing piece of it. And so let's kind of talk about those things, right? I I wish there was a specific formula to be like, you can prevent this 100% of the time. Right. No, probably not, right? But let's talk about prevention. Because things happen. Right. Um, And, you know, life life gets messy and and parents die and pets die. And, you know, sickness happens and and, uh, arguments happen. And, you know, Mm -hmm. life... Life is not for the faint of heart. Um, you know, it, it can be messy and it can be challenging. And and I think part of what can can be helpful is just that recognition. Mm-hmm. Is is just the like, oh, right. I was never promised a rose garden. Like we we have this idea and I don't know about you, but I know like when I was growing up as a little girl, 
there was this this myth in society and there still is that you know when when we grow up when we get married like then like that's where the story ends then things everybody lives happily ever after and so we keep waiting for the like where's my knight in shining armor where's the happily ever after where's when is it going to get easy I'm super sorry, friends. It ain't. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just it's just the nature of the beast. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there are times when the seas are calm and everything's sunny and everybody's living at 72 degrees. And that doesn't stick around for very long. Mm-hmm. And so part of what we get to do is remember that. And then practice resiliency mm-hmm. and resiliency. I I like a I like that word a lot better than like grit, which mm. is which went around a lot. Grit for me is really sort of like sucking it up, putting on your big girl panties, and getting on mm-hmm. with the world. That for me feels a little untenable and like sort of some people have grit and others don't or have less. And so I like the idea of resilience much better, which is really about when life happens, how do we recover and how do we keep enough in our tank in general that sometimes the little bumps don't completely take us out. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's been super challenging about this about this time, and and definitely if we think back a year, year and a half, when we were really in the midst of the COVID pandemic and there was so much fear and concern and uncertainty, this this machine that lives in our heads called our brain, the thing it hates the most is uncertainty. It's the reason that we will pick a fight with somebody just to get what we don't want. But but it's certain because we we hate uncertainty. Our brain has a very low tolerance for uncertainty. And we've been just swimming in a lot of uncertainty. And there's a lot that's happening now in our world that has us feel uncertain and human beings like fundamentally at our core, we only like forget about food and air and water. Like, yeah, we need those things. And as a human to, to thrive, we, we only need three things. We need to feel safe. We need to have dignity, respect, and we need to to feel like we belong. We are herd animals. We need other people. And and so, you know, this time that we've gone through, it's in many of us, it has created a a need to find a new practice on resiliency, which is really about getting back up when we get knocked down. 
And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the things that promote resiliency are things that we all know we should do. And sometimes we just really don't want to. But so like it's it's things like having work-life harmony, which I, I like that term much better than work-life balance because mm-hmm. like, it's never going to be balanced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always going to be, you know, the, the seesaw is always going to be going one way or the other. So but harmony, like we can we can strive for harmony. So creating harmony between our and our life figuring out what are those things? What are those places? Who are those humans? What are those experiences that fill our tank? So for many of us, part of what fills our tank is reading. And so, you know, that, that part of what we're talking about is creating works to be read is, is great because that for many of us, that is, a tank filling activity. For some of us, it's dancing. For some of us, it's sleep. For some of us, it's exercise. For some of us, it's eating well. For some of us, it's being out in nature. For some of us, it's being out in nature by the ocean or being out in nature by the mountains. You know, there there are different things for each one of us that is going to fill different kinds of different kinds of tanks. And so part of what I I encourage people to think about is in order to be your best self, what are the things that you need? And for each person, it's different. For me to be my best self, I need patience. I need patience for my clients. I need patience for my husband. I need patience for our kids. I I need patience for myself. I need patience. I also need belonging. I Mm -hmm. need to feel like I'm connected. I need connectivity. And so then like, what are, what are the things that I do that fill up those unique tanks? There are activities that I do that, that help me source patience that I find I am more patient when I have these things in my life. Sleep is a really big one of those for me. What's sleep though? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. With six children, what is sleep is a completely (laughs) reasonable question for you. And it could be rejuvenation. It could be like something other than entirely sleep Mm -hmm. that gives you energy because you know and it may be that part of your source dan for creating energy is spending time with your family mm-hmm. i have a i have a hunch that it is yeah. that that gives you energy and so we want to figure out for ourselves what are those things what conversely we also want to think about what are those things that just drain me to the bottom and if we can, you know, if, if it's not your mother-in-law, like if, 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 you, if there's something you can do about it, then do something about it. And right. sometimes it is people. There are people in our lives who drain mm-hmm. us of energy. 
And sometimes there are things that we can do to change those relationships or even to end those relationships mm-hmm. in order to, to create more resilience within us. Absolutely. So this is, this is, this is a hard question. And I don't know if you've ever gotten this before, but I think a lot of, I, it totally makes sense in terms of the concept of you draw energy from certain things and you expend energy on other things. And, you know, yeah. it's a very logical exercise. The question I have is what, what would you recommend for someone who doesn't know? You know, what if you ask them like, well, what gives you energy? And they're like, I have no idea. Like, I'm just yeah. like in this phase of survival where I don't even know. I wake up in the morning and suddenly it's night and I'm like, I don't know what happened. I'm exhausted. Right. <laughs> so, like, what exercises would you lead someone through to even identify what gives me energy? What expends my energy? Like, is there a, an exercise that you've outlined or someone has outlined somewhere to determine what those things are? So, you want to start thinking about what, like, when I go on vacation, okay. what do I love to do? When people are visiting me from out of town, what do we love to do? Sure. Okay. What, when I have a lot of this in my day, how do I feel at the end of my day? Sure. Okay. Um, you know, so you want to think about experiences and times and like when I have a weekend all to myself, nobody, nobody needs anything, relatively speaking, you know, and, and I have, I it's have a myth. some, it's a myth, <laughs> yeah, sort of, it, it sort of is, but occasionally we have days, it occasionally does, we yeah. have weekends, occasionally we have, you know, a few hours just to ourselves mm-hmm. or yeah. where we could do whatever we want. What is, what is that thing? Yeah. And then sometimes, or what are those things? And then sometimes we have to just sort of try on stuff. Okay. So this idea of like taking a walk, that sounds like a good idea. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to try that. All right. I did that a handful of times, like not once or twice. I did it a handful of times, maybe 10, maybe 20. It's just, it's, that's not working for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, great then that ain't one for you. Maybe it's meditation, which honestly can just be closing your eyes and getting centered and breathing. Like there doesn't have to be anything big and woo woo about meditation. It can <laughs> just be like getting, getting centered, getting quiet, <sighs> breathing deeply. The cool thing about taking a deep breath is that when we when we aren't doing great, when we are having a hard time, our breathing tends to be much more shallow. Mm. <sighs> we're tense, we're we're frustrated, we're angry, we are we are whatever that is. We're breathing in a more shallow way. When we take a deep breath, it literally resets our brain. So when we are breathing in a shallow way, as far as our brain knows, there might be danger because usually <sighs> if I'm if I'm breathing in this in this way and I'm excited or or anxious or or whatever, it's because there's there's a problem, there's a threat, there's a 
there's an opportunity that I'm afraid of missing. There's, there's a something that is activating me. When I breathe in slowly and exhale slowly, my brain registers, oh, there's no threat. Everything's okay. And so if we've gotten hijacked, if we've gotten, um, if a button, one of our buttons has gotten pushed, if we got pissed, if we got upset, if we got, you know, whatever we are on that spectrum, we may be in a level of flight, fight, freeze, defend. And when we then breathe deeply, it puts us back into our prefrontal cortex, into the big part in the front of our head, which is where we actually think, where we process information. Because when we're in that fight, flight, freeze mode, that's literally all our brain can do. Fight, flight, freeze. And one of the things, there's so many things I could go down a deep rabbit hole. So you'll have to pull me back, Dan. But there's so many things that are fascinating about our brain and what gets happened when we get hijacked. Um, I was just on a call earlier with somebody and I was talking about how I believe that part of the reason that we are having so many issues as a society with reproductive challenges is obviously not in your family. Y'all are doing just fine. But in, in, <laughs> we're, we're doing okay, yes. <laughs> you know, many people struggle with this issue. Yeah. And part of it is because we are living in a state of constant stress. Mm-hmm. And when we are in that fight, flight, freeze mode, one of the things that happens is different systems in our bodies shut down. Because as far as that, so that part of our brain is controlled by our amygdala, which is way back in the back of our head, like tucked up underneath. It is the oldest part of our brain. It got developed before speech. And so as far as that part of our brain knows, we are all still living in the Serengeti. And there are tigers. And, you know, there's real danger. And so... Our digestive system shuts down. It's the reason that if you get into a big fight with somebody, you're no longer hungry because you don't need to digest food in order to run away from the tiger. Mm -hmm. Our reproductive systems also shut down because we don't need to make babies when we're running away from the tiger. All we need to do is run. And so I, I think, you know, back to back to where we started this issue of burnout and and stress and resilience it's having it's having a big impact on our collective selves and so figuring out you know trying on different things all right maybe maybe i will read something I mean, one of the things every quarter i go away by myself and take two or three days and I get to eat whatever I want and I get to read whatever I want and nobody needs anything from me. I don't turn on the TV. I call my husband at night. I call him in the morning and I call him at night just to say hi and check in. But all I'm doing is reading things that are fun, like nothing to grow my brain, nothing to challenge me, just like 
romantic comedies and adventure and mysteries and just stuff that I enjoy that feeds my soul once a quarter. And, and it then gets me through to the next quarter. And so it's, you know, it's all about finding practices, big and small, that are going to help us create that resiliency for ourselves and, and for those that we love. Well, and I think it's interesting, you know, it, a lot of it is, this is why it's a little bit ironic, sometimes to deal with burnout is challenging because we feel so busy, we feel so rushed, but in order to not, you have to stop and have that moment of introspection, like you said, kind of run those test scenarios in your brain and off maybe even live scenarios of let's yeah. try it. Let's see what happened. Did it make me feel better? And I think a lot of people are either unwilling to do that or they don't feel like they have time to do that. And that's the thing. It's just like it's you, you make time. You have to. It is non-negotiable. And there's so many people that say you can't take about you can't take care of other people before you take care of yourself. And, you know, that's very true. It's kind of the same people use the um the situation of in an airplane, right? They right. they say when the air masks come down, you have to put yours on first before the, your loved one, no matter how much you love them, because otherwise, you know, there could be problems, right? Same right. type of thing. And I think a lot of people don't treat it that way. And it's, it's, it can affect everything. And we've already talked about the writing aspect of it. It's, it's very logical. Same thing with the, the eating and the reproducing everything. Same as creating. How can you possibly create yeah. if you're just in this stress situation? It's just not going to happen. And um, it's good to know, you know, it, it doesn't have to be complicated to figure that out. And you can take it in small steps. And I think it gets easier, right? As you do recognize those things and you start allowing yourself that space to fill those tanks. Then you can be like, oh, now I I feel better today for even 30 minutes. I'm going to use that 30 minutes to figure out the next thing, right? Um, and you just kind of build it up over time. So, yeah. but the other, I just want to make this note about grit versus resilience. I know that was way back at the conversation. One feels a little bit more permanent than the other. When I hear yeah. grit, for some reason, that feels very temporary to me. Like you can oh. have grit for a short period of time before you fall over <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I mean you can muscle through stuff maybe not forever resilience is that muscle it is that ability to it's like that grit plus change that adaptation that that allows you to move forward continuously so I that's kind that. of the way that's the way I like to to view that so we've talked a little bit about prevention we've talked a little bit about mitigation so um what are your recommendations this <laughs> you maybe don't have recommendations uh, but when you've identified something that is, you know, leeching your energy, leeching your happiness, whatever that is, um, what do you, what advice do you have for people who are, have a hard time giving things up, who have a hard time stopping, you know, cause there's a lot of people that are, un no, they're not hoarders or anything in yeah. that literal sense, but maybe they're afraid to let something go. What advice do you have for people that are in that space? That's such <laughs> your sign. <laughs> no, it's Our such question. a great question. And it's such it's such a hard thing. And because, you know, sometimes it's a it's a thing. Sometimes it's a a pattern that we've fallen into, a bad habit sure. that we've fallen into. My husband the other day, um, we we had said we were gonna do something and then like three hours later, I was still on the couch and he came in and he said, what's going on? And I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I fell into an Instagram hole. Like, yeah. and I was it just, happens. 
right? It happens. And so sometimes it's, it's things like that. It's, it's, we've, we realize that part of what's taking our energy is things that are not great uses of our time. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, I just, I saw something the other day about how the impact that social media is having on young children, especially young girls Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. it's, it's not helping. It's, it is really hurting. Um, I know uh, Dove, the, the soap brand has a whole campaign about the images that young girls are Mm -hmm. being exposed to and how damaging those can be. And, um, and so, you know, it, it may not, it may not be like that, and it may be that we're we're spending time doing things on our phone. I mean, I'm completely addicted to Candy Crush. And I I give myself like I set a timer on my phone because I know I could be doing this and three hours later, suddenly three hours have gone by and all mm-hmm. I've accomplished is I've played Candy Crush. And it's not it's not giving me anything. It's mm-hmm. like I'm, I am, it's, it's like I'm sitting and watching TV and just eating popcorn mm-hmm. just cause it's there. I'm playing candy crush just cause it's there. I'm not getting any nutrition nor my, nor my tanks being filled up at all. And so figuring out like, okay, it's harder when it's a human being, um, when we realize, and and I have had this experience, I've realized like, I've known you for a long time and I care about you and I would love you to have a wonderful life. And you're really toxic for me. Like you're really, you're really negative. You're really, you know, whatever it is that's not working for me. And, and I need to create a boundary and and it may be that that boundary is such a big boundary that it's a wall that, you know, I'm, I can't come out and play anymore. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to be available. And then eventually, you know, you don't actually, you don't have to be mean. You don't have to be cruel. You don't have to say, you know, you're really toxic for me and I'm not going to be your friend anymore. You can just suddenly stop being available and eventually people will get the message. And and sometimes, you know, sometimes we can't, we can't cut that relationship. It's somebody in our family or it's somebody that, that we really love. And yet they're, they're very challenging. And so then it is, it is truly about figuring out how do I create a boundary and, and how do I practice resilience after I spend time with you so that I can recover back to myself quickly. And, and, you know, then it's, it's figuring out. So who are the safe people that I can go to and say, oh my gosh, I just had to spend time with Frank and Frank's really hard for me. And here's what was hard. And, and here's how I tried to show up and then they can, they can have empathy and, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And like, you did such a good job. You like, cause we humans, we love appreciation. We want to be seen, so we wanna we want to 
we want that affirmation, like, I get it, why that just really stunk for you. And then we also want, like, but man, you killed it. You did a great job. You, you know, you really were present for them, even though they're really hard for you. Um, and then we want to also figure out, like, so then what are the other things that are going to help me recover well? Do I need a nap? Do I need Haagen-Dazs? Do I, do I need mm, a walk? <laughs> Ah, Hagen does. You know, do I do I need a walk in nature? Do I need a glass of wine? Do I need you know, like whatever whatever those practices and things are? Do I need to sit on the floor, lie lie on the floor, and put my feet up on a wall for twenty minutes? Do I need to put in a audio tape that's the sound of rain, mm. or the sound of children laughing, or you know, like whatever those things are that create joy for you that create that experience of you can you can take a deep breath after you've done that but here wanna... I, there's there's a lot of things in there i think one thing that people maybe don't realize is sometimes quitting i'm going to use the word quitting in a positive sense yeah. here right because yes. sometimes quitting something whether it be a relationship or a practice or you know an addiction or something can feel yep. as difficult or as serious as an addiction right yep. um because you've just you've been in that for so long you're just so used to it but i, I think a lot of it comes down to feeling selfish which is a little uh, ironic, right? Yeah. It, because you're not being selfish. Uh, <laughs> you feel selfish letting something go because you're just like, oh, particularly a relationship. It's like, oh, I'm just being rude. Or I'm just being selfish, yada, yada, yada. But in a way, it's ironic because you're not. You're taking care of yourself so that you can give back for others. There's going to be a, right. a circle around result of that. Your joy, your well-being is um, often you've got dependents, you know, whether it be actual dependents or just relationships, right. friends, other family members, colleagues, people you know, who need you to show people up who need you. Exactly. There are people who need you everywhere. And I don't think you realize that by keeping this energy sucking practice, um, you're it's it's a problem. You're not being selfish by severing that. Instead, you're being selfless because you're allowing yourself to become better so that you can give back. And I think a lot of people don't see it that way. And so that's why yeah. quitting might be so difficult is because they're just like, I don't, it's hard. And it is hard. It yeah. is. But the way you discussed your kind of thought process, kind of the um, the approach to quitting, whether it be slowly or quickly, you know, softly or hard to guess. Hardly. <laughs> Hardly. It's not a word. Right. But we're, I'm not an editor. So, um, but, but yeah, I think that's, that's the thing that people need to realize when they're approaching the, this life changing overhaul, uh, in this burnout phase or even pre burnout. Yeah. Kind of I love it that you brought that up. And, and especially because for women, um, often who are socialized to be, you know, the nurturing ones, mm, mm -hmm. doing something that's just for ourselves can feel very selfish yeah, it can. and, and it can, it can feel hard. And so, uh, if, if you find that you are one of those people, listen to Dan and Janine, it's not selfish. I had to go selfless. practically throw my wife in bed the other day. Um, <laughs> because yeah. she was she was saying she was exhausted. And she's like, but I can't because you've got, you know, dishes or whatever, the kids. And I was like, right. it's fine. Like, it's 30 minutes. It's not a big deal. Like, just go. And she just wouldn't. And so I was like, 
I just grabbed her softly by the arm. She's like, what are you doing? I just went and I just sat her on the bed. I was like, I'm locking this door and I'm not coming back for 30 minutes. She's you like, get okay, a husband star. Well anyway, done, Dan. She was laughing and she did end up taking the nap and it was great. It wasn't that big of a deal. Like it was totally fine. But anyway, yes, that is an example of, yes, I think it can be difficult, particularly for women or mothers. You know, these, these, yep. um, they feel like they have to give more than take, but you do need to take some. Otherwise, there's nothing to give. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's just a little bit of a funny anecdotal story from this week, even um, no, because we had Perfect. sickness sweep our family. But that's a different story. It was, uh, this last weekend was insane. Um, <laughs> but I am sorry. And I'm glad you're getting through it. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. So any any advice that so you've written some books, you've got this podcast. What do you have recommendations for where people can go if they want to seek more information about you know, whether it be burnout or just how to handle life better. Do you recommend your podcast? Do you recommend a specific book that you've written? Um, so yeah, absolutely. Come check out my podcast. Uh, it's called The Cost of Not Paying Attention. And we talk about all the things to which we are not paying enough attention, mm. usually in the world of work, but not always. And and definitely um, reach out to me. Um, the best way to reach me is through LinkedIn. I'm the only Janine Hamner Holman there. And there are there's so many different resources. There was a book that came out during, there were actually a hundred, literally a hundred books that came out during the pandemic about burnout. Oh, interesting. And yeah, right? So, you know, Go to the Amazon, go to your local bookstore. There will be a lot of resources. And, you know, it's just like cold medicine. You have to find the one that works for you mm -hmm. um, because everybody has a, a different perspective. Everybody's looking through a different lens. Um, and there's a there's a line from a movie that I love that's, you know, everybody's got baggage. I'm just looking for somebody whose luggage matches mine. And so you just mm -hmm. you just want to find somebody whose luggage matches yours, that their perspective would be helpful for you. That, so that is a piece it. of advice from a burnout perspective and as well from an author perspective that I think we, we I want to highlight just a little bit. Um, so, I mean, you can apply that to human, right? Definitely find someone who you match that you can just relate to, you connect with. I think that's really important. But I also say a lifestyle. If you think about that from a lifestyle perspective, you need to get your lifestyle, your life to a place that you connect with, that you match with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that other person can help you reach that point. And so I think that's that constant evaluation and that constant thought that will help you get to that point. Now, if you're someone who, I'm just going to point this out, part of the reason I started this podcast was that, that feeling of isolation many authors, um, even people who are just working may feel isolated, particularly if they work from home. Um, I felt isolated as an author. And that's why I started this podcast to help listeners and help myself connect with other humans who are mm -hmm. doing amazing things, who have commonalities with myself, and just engage in this really positive and thoughtful conversation. So, you know, people listening might be like, Janine's awesome. I connect with what Janine said. I want to connect with Janine and learn more about her. And, you know, if this is the method, the mode for people to find those connections, great. Um, selfishly, it was for me. 
<laughs> starting this <laughs> podcast. But I'm, I'm happy to give back and hopefully people can find some resources that are helpful for them. So I think you mentioned it, but I believe your website is JanineHamner.com where they That's can right. find much of this information. And are there links to your books there? Should they look somewhere else for your books? Maybe just search for your name, Amazon. You're yeah, laughing. you need to search for my name on Amazon. I'm naughty. I have not yet put links to my books on my um, on my website. That's on my list of things of things yes. to do. And we all we all have those lists and you know, I will get to it and I have not gotten to it yet. So yeah, Amazon, uh Janine Hamner, I'm the only one. Three different things will pop up. That's me. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been amazing. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for the invite. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. So that conversation, I think, is a really important conversation for anybody to have, mainly because I think a lot of us have a hard time accepting that we have reached a point of burnout or that we're moving towards a burnout situation. Um, But it's important to recognize that know where your markers are, know where the indicators are that you are reaching that point so you can get ahead of it and do something about it. So if you're burned out, stop and do something about it. I don't let it happen. You can't afford to let it affect your life in a negative way. So keep that in mind. Hope you drew something from this conversation that's helpful and that you are positive and hopeful that um, you can continue on being a successful author in your own right. So next week, we will be talking to Anorin Arsenis about flawed characters. The conversation actually blossoms into uh, a lot more complicated, rounded than just flawed characters. But we do talk about that. We also talk about the flow of writing, particularly for pantsers. It's a really enlightening conversation, particularly for someone who might not understand or know what a pantser's mind looks like as they're writing their book. So there you go. Flawed characters. Tune in next week for that. As usual, if you'd like to join me on my podcast, definitely head to dankinner.com slash podcast. Fill out the form. Share this podcast with your friends. If you wouldn't mind, leave a review wherever you're listening, whether that's Google reviews, Apple, you you can listen to it on Audible as well, Spotify, it's everywhere. If you wouldn't mind leaving me a review, that would be great. Um, And if there's anything you'd like me to talk about, uh, topics that you you wish you heard or things that you want to learn more about me or my homestead, just send me an email at authordkenner at gmail.com. I'd love to talk about it. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week. (music) 